But unfortunately, when they get there, the weapons are gone. And, and Ezreal took them all. Ezreal <laughs> took them all. I'm on an adventure. <laughs> this belongs in a museum. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> Welcome to Casuals of Runeterra, episode 54. I'm your host, Ryan, here with your other host, Hetch. What's going on? Um, we're back. Uh, and, you know, we can spill, we can spill a bit of tea here. Listen, this is the second time we're recording this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if we were going to pierce the veil or not, but now Why that not? you have. Why not? Here's um, a message from past me. <laughs> yeah, here's a message from past me. So... It was bound to happen. It took 50-something episodes, but we had an episode in which the sound quality on my end was completely butchered uh, by some a fate of events. <laughs> we won't go too far into that. So for this episode, we're going to do a quick one. We're going we're gonna to skip the stay of the game stuff. Uh, we're not going to do the challenge stuff at the end. Uh, but we do promise following this episode, there's plenty of content to make up for it. Don't worry. Uh, we we have a lot of fun stuff planned ahead, um, and though we are missing some of our usual go to stuff, maybe some of it, your favorite stuff. There's one thing that's our favorite that we'll never miss, mm-hmm. and that's a housekeeping at the top. <laughs> you want to tell them about it? All right, so you can listen to us everywhere. If we're not there, tell us about it. We'll be there and we'll call you a liar. Um, And (laughs) if you prefer to listen to your podcast over at Amazon, we did recently get added to Amazon. So Mm -hmm. you can check us out there now as well. You can also reach out to us at podcastcore at gmail.com. That is podcastcor at gmail.com. And please leave a like, follow, or a short review or comment. We do appreciate all the feedback. And tell a friend to make them pay by listening to the Casuals of Terra podcast. You stole am, my content. I'm now, I'm now going to just go and like stare in the mirror and ask myself what I've done with my life. What have I done with my life? Well, let's hop straight into it then. Ready, set, action. Um, yeah, it never gets old. <laughs> But yeah, today we're talking about Akshan, uh, a recent champion added uh, both here and in League of Legends. Uh, it was one of the cross-promotional stuff uh, that they did where it was like, hey, Riot wants to start saying for all of our games, we want to start pushing the content as a one holistic piece. It was a cool event. Uh, it was a little bit overwhelming from the content side. Um, but we're catching up. We're catching up, and part of that is doing the auction episode. So, as always, we're going to start off with our spell follower, and we have a landmark this time as well. Want to get yeah, into it? And, and I'm going to be spicy and start with the landmark because if you have been playing in Room Terror, you know that this landmark, which today will be Lorelord's Palace, is quite important to Akshan's card. It is almost i i think we could argue that it's like he is unplayable without it but um. yeah it's kind of his kit it reminds me of the we have a couple champions that are very kit based like hey if you're playing this champion this is the type of deck you're playing it's very pigeonholed um where some other 
you know, like a LeBlanc is more open-ended, right? She doesn't yeah. have any deck that she's forced into. Right. Like you have like LeBlanc and Sivir that can kind of flex into things. Uh, Riven is really showing that she can flex into things. And then you have characters like uh, Lux or um, Talia, where if you if you see a Talia on the other side of the board, you already know like every card your opponent's playing yeah. because that's the only way uh, Talia's gonna work. Um, and Warlord's Palace is like the way that Akshan levels up and it's very important to his kit, but it is also surprisingly important to his story too. But we'll get into that later. Uh, the landmark itself, um, it's going to show as a one mana landmark, but it is only playable off of other cards. It is not an independent card itself. Uh, it is a landmark with countdown eight. Create a relic of power in hand. When you target allies, advance me one. So it, even though the countdown eight is kind of steep because, you know, that is like frozen thrall level, um, you do have the targeting allies that allow you, <clears throat> excuse me, that allow you to speed up how quickly this can flip. But a lot of times this is more used to just kind of control when you want it to flip. And it's because these relics of power are really, sh the, the relics of power are pretty situational, but the flip of this card is very powerful. Yeah. And the rewards of the flip are beyond powerful. Um, and as far as with the relics, they're going to be, um, the relics are going to be, Oh goodness, I'm I'm over at like this the horde, <laughs> the horde. Oh rewards. yeah, because there's so many there's pieces so, to this card. Uh, the, this card is uh, Akshan has a lot of text on it. Let's just leave it at that. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. Um, <laughs> but with the relics of power, you have the um, uh, pick one, predict, then draw one, summon a sandstone charger. Or grant all, all allies plus one plus zero. So obviously the all allies really good if you have like a large board. Predicting and drawing a card for zero mana because of a landmark that's already really strong. And then the sandstone charger situational can be really good. Uh, so just the flexibility off of just this, this landmark alone is incredible. Um, but when it flips it turns into the Warlord's Horde, which is another landmark with a countdown of eight. And at the countdown, create a Sentinel's Horde in hand. When you target me, advance, uh, adv or when you target allies, advance one. Um, and the the Horde, the Sentinel's Horde, that is what's crazy. That These are the rewards that are insane. So you've got the... Um, uh, you've got the one where it's reducing cards by one mana and you're drawing two, giving all of your champions everywhere spell shield and plus two plus two. And honestly, the spell shield and everything is cool. Mm -hmm. Reduced mana cost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> like, there's already some meme -y stuff out there just around that one aspect alone. A resource it's advantage, man. Super cool. It's always good. Um, so the card is there's so much going on with just the the this landmark alone, but it's very important to the story of Akshan because Akshan is a, he's tracking down warlords, so warlords have to have a place to sleep 
they got to lay their head down. And this is where they do it at. Uh, and there's a lot of fun flavor text with these. So um, like on the Warlord's Palace, it's a direct quote from the Vecaron Vagabond, which is, see that eyesore of a building? That's where the swine lives. We'll take him out, grab the loot, and be back in time for dinner. Um, <laughs> which just kind of gives a you know a nice little nud, tip of the hat to the cavalier attitude of Akshan. Yeah. Speaking of Vagabond. Speaking of Vagabond, let's talk about our follower today. And, oh God, whoever could it be? So this I'll is- tell you who it's not. It's not a Noxus person. Because we don't do that here. <laughs> The, the Black we, we, Panther meme. It's like we don't do that here. We don't do that. Well, it's funny because we made it through housekeeping without like just taking an absolute yeah. dump on our Noxus fans. We gave them false sense of security. It's like oh, they're finally done trolling us. We're never done trolling We're you. Never, as long as cards are being created. <laughs> All right, so uh, the Vecaron Vagabond is a three mana three three. When I'm summoned, summon a warlord's palace or advance it two rounds. So very simple. Compared to all the crap on the warlord's palace, this is very refreshing to read. I, I'm not feeling tongue-tied. It's like, exactly. I understand what's going on here. <laughs> but to your point, which we what we talked about earlier, you know, when you think about a Talia deck, you know what's in it. Um with this type of, with an auction deck, you're going to want to play this card, right? They made it valuable for a reason. It's a three cost, three, three. So it has a body to it, but it also plays into your overall plan with auction. So if they're playing auction, you have a good chance they're playing this card. Yeah. And it's that whole idea of like, I know everything that's about to hit me. I, yeah. I know what you're dropping, but uh, the, what really makes this card interesting is the flavor text on it. And like on our last card, we got to see that uh, on the Warlord's Palace, we got to see a direct quote from the Vecaron Vagabond. But on the flavor text of the Vagabond card, mm-hmm. um, we have the Vagabond saying to herself, seeing Akshan hanging underneath the fourth floor window, Naja cursed under her breath. Pretty boy beat her to the mark again. Turning her dagger over in her hand, she pondered what to say to him. Maybe this time he'd finally acknowledge her. <laughs> so there's, there's, that makes, leaves so much open here because one, we've got the character named yeah. Naja. We know from the Warlord's Palace that her and Akshan do actually interact. Yeah. Uh, like they do talk to each other. And then, Specifically, hanging underneath the window. (laughs) If you open the full art of this card, you you look at the palace. You can actually see the like this little model of Akshan just like hanging underneath the window, doing a Spider Man impression. Oh, and already like past like two guards and everything. So like it's it's already hysterical just looking at the picture. But it's interesting to see if we get to like later on in the stories if maybe we see more of Naja or maybe if Naja pops back up uh, later on as someone more significant of a character, possibly even like another champion for Sharima, who knows? Yeah, uh, and, and basically, I think I'm preaching there, but it'd be fun. Yeah. And after you listen to this episode and you start to get to our Sentinels, Sentinel of Light stuff, um, where we talk more in depth about Akshan and how he plays into the overall story, there's definitely a place where she could pop back up after the events occur. 
Well, well, don't tell, don't tell them about just, our just plans. A hint. Just a hint, right? Just, just, a, just hint. a dash. Ooh, ooh, what, what's that? <laughs> uh, well, speaking of what's that, let's talk about the spell. And yeah, how do you get up there? <laughs> <laughs> how do you get up there? All right, the way that Akshan is going to climb a building is with the grappling hook. Mm-hmm. So the grappling hook in Runeterra is going to be a three mana slow speed spell. An ally you've targeted this round strikes an enemy. And I will never stop saying this. You can't tell me to shut up. I am unleashed. <laughs> right, I won't. I, I'm unleashed. It will never stop saying this. One-sided strikes are powerful. Yeah. They're very strong. And especially in an auction deck, you're already going to want to have a lot of cards that target your units. And the best ways to target your units outside of cards that strike opponents is to buff them. So if you buff a card and then want to like use that buff to make sure that you're getting rid of another unit, it's always safer to have a one-sided strike instead of something like single combat. Yeah. Because single combat, it is going to be just, you know, the magic fight mechanic, you know, butt heads and whoever's head is harder wins. Yeah. But the grappling hook doesn't care about that. It's just like, nope, nope. You buffed me. Excellent. I'm going to kill somebody. Yeah. A great part about one-sided strikes too, is that, you know, if they decide to spend a card, it's not usually at, the risk of trading because you were already in an advantage state. Um, usually with fight mechanics, if they just buff their car, they can get a two for, you know, they can trade evenly or maybe they can make their thing survive. But if it's a one sided strike, then it's like, oh, OK, well, they can survive the strike. But now there's still the rest of that round to go, um, which leaves room open, especially if you do it on the opening. Right. Um, it leaves room open for other maneuvers and strategies that still play in your favor because you haven't taken any damage. Yeah, and it's just gives so much room as far as for you to play while limiting your opponent. And that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And that, and then of course, for our purposes, the, this is the flavor quote that I lean more towards. <laughs> These are my kind of favorite ones, which is just, they never expect the grappling hook <laughs> direct quote from Akshan. I just want to, I, I want an animation real quick of him just like, Indiana Jonesing someone in the face with a grappling hook. Just a just montage. Quick, just yeah. It's like when Indy has the whip and then he pulls out the gun. Classic. <laughs> right? They never expect it. This takes us to our boy, though, Akshan. Uh, so let's get into it. So as we've heard before in many stories, Akshan is a street urchin. <laughs> uh, it never gets old, does it? It never gets old. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a, you know, he's a runt in the streets of Maori, which is a city in Sharima, a troublesome city uh, that has some, you know, rough stuff going on in the streets. Um, and one thing he doesn't like is, you know, naturally he has this hate towards people who do wrong, people who take advantage of innocent people. And this tends to happen a lot in this city. Uh, but one unique thing that we learn here is that uh, Maori customs dictate people mind their own business. <laughs> Don't get involved in other people's stuff. Do your thing. Keep it moving. Uh, and unfortunately, because of Akshan's nature, one night he gets caught up in a situation, in a brawl, and he gets beaten uh, within an inch of his life. And his only hope here is a woman named Shadia, an old woman who sees him outside her house and decides to go against the dictated customs and get involved. Uh, and she tends his wounds and kind of brings him back uh, to, to the real world 
And she's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> hey, hey, like give him the smelling salts. I'm like, yeah. hey, you, hey, you're not going to do that again, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so naturally, after, you know, he meets the woman who saves his life, he gets to know her a little bit more. And he learns a very important detail about her, which is she is a sentinel of light. Uh, but unfortunately, she's alone. She's been alone for a while in Sharima, kind of just hanging low. Um, preparing for the next time her calling comes up and preparing to also fight the harrowing if need be, uh, since the Sentinels, Sentinel of Light uh, collective isn't what it used to be. Uh, and when she brings Akshan up and they're getting to know each other, she noticed that, you know, he has some of the Maori traits being hard around the edges. Uh, but the thing that stands out mostly to her is that despite him having that, that you know, street life, um, he has good guts and a good conscience, and that leads her to come up with an offer. So she offers to him, now that you're healed up, um, what if you stayed with me free of charge, but there's a string attached. You have to dedicate yourself to the Sentinel Order. And he has no idea what this is, right? He just knows that she's one of the Sentinels of Light. So he takes the offer uh, and then begins his training. So she begins to teach him everything she knows which is a lot um considering she is older um and and it's one that's one heck of a, a promise to go ahead and make i mean sure like room and board is nice but um yeah if you haven't heard our lucian episode um go ahead you know give that a li quick listen but the uh in that episode we kind of you know get a nice blueprint of what life as a sentinel is like yeah um yeah that's a i hope uh i hope she's serving good food or something <laughs> I bet she knows how to cook. She can whip something up. Uh, a little something, a little something. Every neighborhood where people mind their own business, people know how to cook. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hope at some point we get a little bit more about like cuisine in the Runeterra universe. You gotta I have would, it. I would love to have like a Runeterra cookbook. cookbook. I would try to like make everything in it. You know what? Maybe one day we'll try to scrounge together enough lore to build one ourselves. All right. The I, Casuals of Runeterra cookbook. I know what I'm writing. All right. <laughs> Coming soon to a bookshelf near you. But yeah, so she starts to teach him the way of the order, which kind of conflicts with, you know, his natural um, street smarts uh, when it comes to like what the order dictates and how you're supposed to uh, behave and so on and so forth. That kind of the greater good aspect, right, it takes a bit to get get that through to him. But as he's training, as they're getting closer, she's kind of getting mentally distant. Um, and he soon finds out this is because she's sensing another harrowing coming, which we've talked about the harrowing in the past and we'll continue to talk about in the future. Um, so keep an eye out for those episodes. Harrowing. Uh, harrowing. <laughs> so as you know, from what we've said in the past is that multiple harrowings have happened and this is what she thinks is going to be the biggest one yet, um, which we talk about in our Sentinel of Light episode. So she deems the only way to stop it. We got to prepare. Right. That's kind of a thing. We have to get more Sentinel weapons um, and they begin a mission to go grab these weapons as, you know, this is kind of this kind of kicks off Akshan's adventurous um, behavior from this point forward. Uh, and they go to where they think, which would be like old Sentinel um, stomping grounds to go pick up some weapons. Uh, but unfortunately, when they get there, the weapons are gone. And, and Ezreal took them all. Ezreal <laughs> took them all. 
I'm on an adventure. <laughs> this belongs in a museum. This belongs in a museum. <laughs> yeah, good old Ezra sticking his nose. He's not minding his own damn business. That's the problem. He's not from Maori, so he doesn't know no better. And it would be some punk kid. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But no, no, it, it's not. It's not Israel. I, I'm making a joke. It, yeah. This is where the warlords come in. This is where the warlords come in. So some rich warlords that reside throughout Sharima uh, got involved. Uh, we talk about this kind of behavior in our Silver episode too. Uh, so check those out, um, where they hire mercenaries to go get them, you know, stuff from tombs. And after she's like, "Oh crap! Okay, well, I know where they're at." Uh, in Akshan's mind, he would just go get them, right, and take them. But Shadia does something interesting here and unexpected. I mean, she is older where she's going to use um, diplomacy. She wants to talk to him. So she seeks them out. She seeks them out, explains the situation to them in detail, which, you know, that's already revealing more information than the layman needs to know. Uh, but they don't care. They're in it for one thing. They're in it for glory. They're in it for recognition. They're collectors who just want to, you know, fill their purse and be self-important. They don't care about what's going on in the corners and dark reaches of the world. I'm sure. I'm sure too. Like uh, if there's going to be a lot of parts of Runeterra that also are just not going to like ever believe that a uh, harrowing is going to be on the way. Or that believe that ev the stories of the Shadow Isles are true. Like yeah. a lot of people are probably just like, oh, well, that's, you know, tales of the boogeyman. Um, whereas, you know, some places like closer to Demacia and stuff like they they know it's very real. Uh, but I, I wonder if we don't get details if the warlords are just kind of like think of it more of like them, you know, uh, we're not afraid of the boogeyman. Uh, we don't know those details, but I, I could imagine that it'd be that closer to that case it's just like crazy old lady get out of here yeah get, yeah exactly it's our money our money our money no money for you yeah mind your own business remember <laughs> the rules rule number one the don't rule. make me point to the sign <laughs> so yeah so time's running out as she's trying to do the diplomacy thing uh and then she says these guys aren't budging let's just do it with or do with what we have um and that's when she shows akshan her you know her stash and this is when he comes across what's known as the Absolver, a very important weapon um, in the overall story of the Sentinel, Sentinels of Light. And Shadi is adamant about not that one. Anything else is good, <laughs> just not that one. Uh, and that obviously makes Akshan curious on why not that one. Uh, and he finds out that the power of the Absolver is that when it's used against a killer, it can revive that person's victim. So she deems it too powerful for a person to decide and a person to wield. But Akshan puts two and two together and finds out originally at the beginning of the story, when he was beaten within an inch of his life, he wasn't still alive. He actually died. And Shadia used the Absolver against his attacker, thereby bringing him back. And that's a huge reveal there um, because it's an immediate contradiction and that's something that she worked on him with when she's kind of teaching him the ways of the Sentinel of Light, you know, being honest, being true, greater good, that kind of stuff. Uh, and that little crack there uh, in consistency uh, plays into what happens next. 
it, it plays heavily into what happens yeah. next too. Uh, and I can only imagine like the, uh, like the thought process of like Akshan to be like, Oh, this woman practically saved my life into, Oh no, no. Oh, app actually saved my life. Yeah. Um, and this, uh, it, it's not that con- that contradiction is also weighing heavily on Akshan, like with what we are given, because he is now trying to figure out what makes him special, what makes yeah. him worth using the absolver. And when the woman that's teaching him about this weapon and who has used this weapon only uses it for him and then says for no one else. So yeah. why Akshan? Why is he better? And this all comes boiling to a head when the warlords, they finally give up on diplomacy. Yeah. Even though Shadia has not. And what happens when negotiations fail in a rough neighborhood? Oh, no. <laughs> We've all seen American Gangster. All right, so <laughs> Denzel Washington shows up. Call an ambulance. Someone call an ambulance. But yeah, so diplomacy falls through, as Hedge mentioned, and he comes home one day to find Shadia is dead. And not just dead, she was murdered. He knows this um, and immediately goes into a rage uh, because as Hedge mentioned, you know, he already has this thing of self-worth that he's working on. And trying to understand that. And he's like, screw it. You know what? I'm grabbing the absolver and I know exactly what I need to do. Um, and he's done. He kind of foregoes the sentinel teachings and begins a manhunt. And to the point where he, based on her murder alone, he couldn't figure out by himself exactly which one of the warlords um, was involved in her murder. So he's hunting them down one by one uh, and he's going to do his thing until she comes back to life. Um, therefore, you know, even if a warlord is innocent or whatever, he's past that point. He's kind of in that fit of rage state. And that's where we're left, uh, in this story here, which is interesting. Um, because, you know, with the self-worth, the Akshan we get from the presentation, the previews and all that stuff, he's very confident in himself, right? He's very like, uh, he's a show off. He's a showboat. He likes to, he likes the attention, but the one we're presented to in this story is before all that. Right. Um, so a lot of that is what Shadia kind of instilled that self-worth within him and then had him realize it just for her to be taken away from him. So that's a lot for, you know, someone in his situation to go through in a short period of time. Yeah. And I'm, and the key word there is a short period of yeah. time. The because I think the the time that he spends with Shadia is um, the kind of biggest question mark in what we got. The um, when we start getting into the actual story of the Sentinels of Light, we find out that like the transition from Akshan being alone as a Sentinel of Light in Sharima to finding other sentinels is days <laughs> like he yeah. this is it's all very fresh to him very fresh yeah. wounds uh which uh it's kind of like gives you a little bit more of a sense of appreciation with how you know cavalier of an attitude he has you yeah. know he is a very suave bad you know a very suave bad boy you know um and now we kind of know better that it's more of a defense mechanism because he's got some very fresh wounds that he doesn't want yeah. to open up yet. Um, yeah. So this takes us to the card and we'll go through this real quick. So Akshan is actually one of the more vulnerable cards, which is interesting 
um, when you think about it. He's a two-cost 2-2 two -two with quick attack, which is a common keyword tossed on champions these days. There's there's memes running around. Whoa, whoa, a champion with quick attack? <laughs> Dude, I wonder if they put Caitlyn in this game. <laughs> so he has the text, when I'm summoned or strike, summon a warlord's palace, which Hedge talked about earlier, so we won't talk about that again, or advance it one round, right? So create it if it doesn't exist, if it exists, then progress it. His level up requirement is Warlord's Palace has finished its countdown. This takes us to the second side. He gets the standard plus one, plus one on his stats. Uh, and then he has, when I'm summoned, level up or strike, summon a Warlord's Horde or advance it one round. So the same behavior just for a different landmark here. And that then takes us to the one card Hetch left out for the story-wise is the Absolver's Resurrection, which is the big one and the one that ties into the story and has some links there, which says it's a zero-cost focus spell that says grant all enemies vulnerable and create in hand a zero-cost copy of the strongest ally that died this game. So as we mentioned in the story, the Absolver. I know, right? As we mentioned in the story, it gives all the enemies vulnerable, and you can control them all um, versus just giving one enemy vulnerable. Because remember, he doesn't know who did it, so everybody is a suspect. I, I mean, he he's going John Wick, like you know, yeah. just scorched earth, <laughs> scorched earth until I fix this, uh, and. We all know that he's his goal is to fix it, and we get that off of the flavor text with uh, the Absolver's Resurrection, which is, fate is what I make it. Yep. <laughs> Direct quote from Akshan. Yeah, and the quote on his card as well, to kind of round out where we left off with the story, um, is on the first side, he says, the Sentinel's Code seems full of complicated restrictions, things like never take a life, in the name of vengeance and fight for the world, never for yourself. As for me, and the card flips, my code is far simpler. Disregard any rule that prevents me from doing whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. If that is not like, that kind of just gives you like everything you ever need to know about the city of Maori, right? Yeah. Like I, like the story, his story already kind of like builds that really well, but this quote in specific, like particularly just as kind of like, oh, okay, I know what these people are like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like, no, nope. screw all that. I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> exactly. So like, what, what do you, you know, just to kind of wrap it up, how do you feel about the story overall? Uh, I, I do like um, his story. Uh, we've, we've talked at length before, as far as like our thoughts on the street urchin yeah. uh, origin story, which is like, I'm cool with it because of, how it's kind of difficult to lead someone into like a life where they're trained to be essentially a killer yeah um unless they've lived a rough childhood like uh, had a rough start in life yeah so it's i get it and i understand it but yeah you know that gets a little bit dull i like his story just more because once we get deeper into other stories that aren't just champion bios it, it's all just right there it, yeah. he is in the thick of it it's all starting at the same time and there it gives his story this kind of 
relatability of not having a chance to breathe. Yeah. Of just one thing after the other. And I so I do like that. It's kind of almost like an anxiousness with within yeah. the story. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. All right. And with that, as always, thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon with the next episode. And we'll be back soon with a fun one too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care, everybody.